Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon Jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey everybody, this is Steve. Before uh, this show starts, I just wanted to give everybody a little heads up. It turns out we found out after we had recorded this episode that we were having a bit of an issue with a piece of our equipment, so the audio in spots is a little off. Did the best we could to fix it, but it's not perfect, so at times might be a little rough. Bear with us through this. We figured out what it is. We fixed it for future episodes. But with that having been said, on with the show. Thinking sideways. I don't understand. Does not compute. You never know. What? Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hi there. And welcome to another episode of Thinking Sideways, the hard-hitting internet podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm Joe, joined as always by my lovely co-hosts. Devin. And Steve. They're both very lovely. Yeah. Uh, I feel and, very lovely today. Yeah. You look pretty lovely. Yeah. I, I was going to mention it earlier. But my new outfit. Yeah. It's a little, Quite little dashing. turtleneck. It's good. Yeah. yeah. He, he plucked his eyebrows, too. Yeah. They needed it. <laughs> well, okay, for those of you who are uh, new to this podcast, there's probably still a few people who are, uh, we, we get together and we just uh, look at unsolved mysteries, and of course we solve them. Well, not very often, but occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> I, think we, I think we've made some good headway on a few of them. So today, we're going to tackle yet another unsolved mystery. So if you all are ready, yep. oh, yeah. let's go. Sorry, okay. I didn't realize that was a request for response. I thought it was yeah. rhetorical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to make sure you guys have to put the phones away. Stop texting. Mm, no, whatever. Okay. 
So must our, tweet. Uh, also, I should mention this story was a listener suggestion. It was suggested by Stephanie. Thank you, Stephanie. And I also want to give a shout out to Cindy. Uh, Cindy is a newer listener, and it, the funny thing is, is that. I, would, I had been doing some research on this very story because I was planning on doing it, and then I checked our email, and there was an email from none other than Cindy suggesting this story, which I thought was kind of funny. That's still a coincidence, but so thank you, Cindy. Thank you, Stephanie. Our story begins in uh, 2003 when a guy named Blake Ruff, who lived in Longview, Texas, met a girl named Lori Kennedy. Her full name was actually Lori Erica Kennedy. Uh, they met at church in Dallas. Uh, Lori had lived in Texas for about 15 years. She'd moved there in 1988. Uh, she was originally from Arizona, so she told him she had a degree in business and was a quote-unquote marketing consultant. Pre- uh, uh, secret shopper, right? Secret shopper? Yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was uh, basically all mm-hmm. she did. Yeah, and yeah, the mystery shopper. So, uh, so Which they, is really apropos. Yep. Yeah, I know. They, so anyway, they started hanging out. They got married in 2004. Like a year after they met, right? About rough, roughly that, yeah. yeah. So Blake was very close to his family, and of course, they being a very a friendly bunch of Texas folks, uh, they wanted to meet her right away, and they got together for lunch, and they started asking her about her family and where she was from. And she was very secretive about the whole thing. She didn't want to talk about it at all, uh, and which kind of put them off a little bit. She, she did say as much as this. She said her parents were dead. Her father had apparently been a failed stockbroker, and uh, the parents had both died. She had no siblings, no living relatives, and she hadn't had a good past. Her childhood was rough, apparently, and that's, that's about all she would say. She also she told Blake that she had destroyed any evidence of her family, past family life, like letters and photographs and things like that. And so when they started talking about marriage, Blake's mother, of course, wanted to put a wedding announcement in the local paper. Like you do in Texas. Like you do everywhere, you yeah. know? Yeah. I, and... So Lori was all against that. She said, we don't do things that way. So very strange kind of secretive person. So moving forward, they were married. Uh, they started trying to have a child. And uh, they bought a house in Leonard, Texas, which is about 125 miles from Longview, which is where the folks live. They were on a two-acre parcel, and the neighbors uh, didn't have much interaction with them. They said that Lori especially was not sociable at all. One neighbor said that in the six years that they had lived there, she they had socialized just once in the entire six years. Didn't I thought that there was the recounting of, you know, often seeing her in the evening hours walking around the property, like mm. eyes down, refusing to make eye contact with anyone, uh-huh. kind of antisocial, disassociative mm. yeah. behavior. Yeah, she, she, was, uh, she was a fairly antisocial person. Well, and my mm. question when they say socializing with her, um, is that... They had a, hey, how you doing? Oh, good. Hey, good to see you. It's well, lovely yeah. weather well, yeah, today, isn't it? Well, for drinks or a barbecue. Yeah, yeah or did they go sure. to a barbecue? Yeah, I'm not sure what he meant by socializing. But maybe that just meant they were all walking around and they just chatted about the weather for a minute. You know? Yeah, I know. I, but I didn't get the sense that there were any, you know, hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Interactions mm-hmm. outside of you know, the one time of socializing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have neighbors like that. I wave at them and say hi, and they wave back, and... That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are neighbors like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's not too remarkable. Although I don't have the sense that she would have even waved back, but mm-hmm. sure. Because she would have pretended not to see because yeah. she's staring straight to the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Possible. Sounds like her. Yeah, she was a little different. Uh, anyway, as I, said, as I said, they were trying to have kids, uh, and uh, I've heard reports that she had a miscarriage. Heard another report she had several, several but yeah. I don't know. But she eventually had a successful pregnancy, gave, gave birth to a baby girl in 2008. And uh, apparently, according to the in-laws, she was extremely overprotective 
towards like the baby. Like she had never really interacted with a baby before? Yeah, they felt yeah. that the way she handled the baby and everything, they felt like she was not familiar with babies at all whatsoever. Which is okay. I'm not familiar with babies either, so I'm not going to judge her on that. Yeah, I, I guess she was doing, like doing things like, uh, you know, if the baby would start to chew on something, she, she would snatch it away, it away yeah. or uh, wouldn't let anybody else k- take care of this baby, even though her in-laws, this I think it was like grandbaby number nine or yeah, something. Exactly. So. so they're very overprotective. Yeah. I don't know what to do, but nothing gets near my baby yeah. in its safe little bubble kind mm-hmm. of mentality, mm-hmm. which a lot of... Uh, Admittedly, a lot of new parents do that. Yeah. You can't hold that against her, but it's still a little strange. Because I have friends who were like that at first, and then we'd all say, "Uh, you know, let the kid chew on the dog's tail. It's okay. Yeah, I think that, like, there's a a slight difference. You know, there's a a scope of normal over-interaction for new parents. And I think particularly if you're a grandparent looking in, and having had children who had children for the first time, there's that scope of like what's fairly normal for overprotective first time parents to be in that sort of way. And then there's going beyond that. And I would probably mm. trust their judgment in that. Yeah. They would be able to say like it was it was really even above and beyond that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, I yeah. don't disagree with that at all. Sure. Sure. I, it's very obvious. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, uh, things just sort of went downhill. Uh, Lori and the family really didn't get along. She, she felt like she was, she would take every little thing they would say as a slight. And she was always railing against them to Blake, which upset Blake because he was close to his family and eventually got to the point where they wouldn't allow any, she wouldn't allow any visitation with the daughter or very little. Mm. And this uh, this behavior just got worse. And but yeah, she wouldn't leave the kid with the in-laws in the same all. room. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, not... I'm, I can't go to the bathroom with the baby in this room with mm-hmm. you. I've, I'll take the baby with me kind of behavior. Yeah, just a lot of stuff like that. And so the, um, the, the rift just got worse. And so they separated in summer of 2010. Blake moved out, moved back in with his folks back in Longview, 125 miles away, and filed for a divorce. And things kind of unraveled from there. Lori, Lori apparently went sharply downhill after he moved out and uh, lost a lot of weight. Was according to one one neighbor who saw her, she was she and the daughter were both very thin and and uh, she seemed kind of incoherent. So she started uh, actually harassing the Ruff family and Blake, uh, supposedly sending them threatening emails and things like that. Stealing and keys and breaking into... Supposedly they noticed a key was missing, although yeah. that's, you know, sometimes keys get lost, sure. so I'm going yeah. to discount that one. So, yeah, the, so Lori was not doing that well. Uh, and also at this point, let me, let me note that she was supposedly, according to Blake, taking medication for uh, ADHD or OCD or Tourette's or something. He was going <laughs> to... Yeah, this, uh, Blake apparently was not detail-oriented. He, he really seemed to be surprisingly uncurious. Somebody... About I think it was maybe his cousin described him as having a startlingly small inner monologue. Yeah, yeah, I think it was his Which cousin. Which seems brother. to be yeah. a very cor- perfect description because he didn't really make decisions on his own and he didn't really take initiative on most things. I think it might be the same person who said, Well, I went and bought a black Tahoe. So no. he did too. Yeah, it was the yeah, twin, brother. twin brothers. Yeah, the twin, yeah, yeah twin like brother. he just he kind of did what people told, and he didn't question anything. Mm-hmm. If you said, you know, actually the sky is green, he go, huh, that's weird. Looks blue to me. Okay, yeah. and just would leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, so Blake sounds like a nice guy, but um, 
I'm a little surprised he didn't know specifically what her issue was that she was taking medication for. Yeah. Um, uh, another thing that he, she had a lockbox she kept in the bedroom closet. Did you guys have heard of the lockbox? Mm-hmm. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she told him never to touch it, and so he didn't. What should be like for me? I mean, I, on the one hand, you want to respect your wife's privacy, but at the same time, if you know that there's some incredible secret in that box, then you know, wouldn't you have to go look in that box? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I can't resist tearing through the house before Christmas looking for things, let alone if you say, hey, so I've got this box that I've locked up and it's in the bottom of the closet. I would be, I would do everything in the sun to figure out how to pick that thing. Well, mm-hmm. get in yeah. there. I, yeah, I don't think he, I mean, you know, a great example of this is again, like Blake was the kind of man who like, <laughs> she said, oh no, I burned all my family photos because I had it bad and he wasn't like, why was it bad? He was just like, Okay. Mm, that's what I'd be saying. You know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> tell me about it. You know, tell me. Let's, like, let's, let's, let's talk to yeah, this. Let's, let's, let's get over the trauma. Yeah. But, no. Apparently, he's just like okay. Yeah. So I guess he was kind of the okay guy. Yeah. Well, anyway, back to Lori. Lori was um, again going downhill, and uh, on December twenty fourth, twenty ten, she that Christmas Eve. Oh, I didn't. I didn't even make the connection I there. Either. I did yeah, not yeah, mean yeah. to make that Christmas joke. <laughs> yeah, she pulled into the rough driveway and shot herself in the head. In the, in a, she was in a black Chevy Tahoe. Mm. Yep, shot herself in the head. Way to wreck everybody's Christmas, Lori. Uh, <laughs> in the car, they found two letters. One was to Blake. It was eleven pages long, and another was to their daughter, which was to be opened on her eighteenth birthday. One of the things, and I've seen some of the documents pertaining to this whole thing. And the family, obviously, they deserve their privacy, so they, they have to have opened that letter. I think they did. They it, must it, have. It said, it said that the letters were both incoher- incoherent ramblings. I yeah, think. I think. There couldn't have been any, any useful clues in there. So, uh, so you know, they just cho- chose not to publish them, which I think is fair. Well, and it's, it, you're absolutely right. They deserve their privacy, and this is a terrible tragedy. Uh-huh. I mean, for, oh, yeah. you know, the mo- mm-hmm. two years after you have a child and you're starting to get divorced and then all of a sudden she just, you know, goes around the bend, I think is the phrase mm-hmm. that, that's mm-hmm. used and, and kills herself. That, yeah, you've got to, you've got to respect it for these yeah. people. Oh, I mean, yeah, now granted yeah. we're four years later, but. Yeah. But it, maybe four years isn't enough for this. Mm, well, yeah, there's always that, is it too soon? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, and you got to feel sad for Lori, too, because she obviously had her inner demons. Uh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. A week or so after her suicide and after the funeral, Blake's brother, Miles, along with a few other fam, family members, uh, drove to Leonard, Texas, to search the house. And when they got there, they found the place was a mess. Uh, she really had let herself go. Piles of dirty dishes, piles of dirty laundry, trash bags full of shredded documents. Apparently the crib was like... Soiled, yeah, the the crib was soiled, yeah. yeah. Uh, And so Blake had told Miles about the forbidden lockbox that was hidden in the closet that he wasn't allowed to touch. So naturally, he made a beeline for the closet and and dug around until he found the lockbox and pried it open with a screwdriver. And he found. Did he really use a screwdriver? Mm -hmm. That's what he said. He said he used. Wow, that is a really good lockbox. He said he found. Sounds like a petty cash box. Yeah, I know. It was probably just tin box. Mm -hmm. He he used a flat-bladed screwdriver to break into it. And he found the following things. He found pages from an Arizona phone book, some scraps of paper with notes on them, some very random little notes. Uh, Also a birth certificate for a certain Becky Sue Turner, who was born in 1969 in Bakersfield, California. And an Idaho ID card in the same name with Lori's photo on it. So it turns out that Lori Kennedy Ruff, her true name was actually Becky Turner. 
except Becky Turner died in a house fire in 1971 at the age of two. So, dun, dun, dun. I know. So the Ruff family hired a private investigator to try to find out who Lori really was. He did a little digging. He found out uh, about Becky Sue Turner dying in Fife, Washington, which is where she was living at the time of her death. Which is outside of Tacoma. Yes, yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, he managed to turn up a news clipping from a local newspaper that described the deaths of Becky and her two sisters. Which, by the way, speaking of tragedy, could you imagine yeah. being the parents? Right. Of three three little girls who all died in the fire. Oh my God! Never mind finding out years and years later that somebody stole their identity. Yeah, yeah. somebody's masquerading as one of them. I know, but so this listed their ages and also their place of birth, Bakersfield, California. This actually is apparently a very important detail in mm-hmm. why she was perhaps as successful as she was in stealing the identity. Mm-hmm. Did, you yeah. read the, did you read about this? You yeah, because that? because since it well, go ahead and go ahead well, and tell it, it just oh. turns out that it's way easier to steal somebody's identity if um, they were at, at that time at least if they were born in one state and died in another mm-hmm. um, because the records often weren't actually cross referenced. Yeah, one much. hand doesn't know what the other hand's doing. Yeah, and apparently also at that time, uh, at least the in California, um, they would just mail a birth certificate to anybody who requested it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I still, I'm, I, I'm assuming that um, we're gonna call her from now on Jane Doe. When mm-hmm. Jane Doe. Uh, requested that if she requested it by mail, and she truly wanted to get lost, then if you request if you request it by mail, you're going to leave a paper trail, right? Theoretically, yeah. Yeah, in theory, in theory it, it all depends. You know, see, you don't know what's going to happen in the little bureaucracy at the other end. Well, okay, but here's the deal, right? Is that if if just anybody can write in and request it, like, what's to say that she used a real identity to request it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they probably just asked for a some money and you just like get a money order or even just send some cash. That's true. She could have have rented a P.O. box. Rent a P.O. box. You get a, you know, put a wrong name on it and just have it delivered. Well, but to to rent a P.O. box, you've got to provide identification. Okay, here's the problem. Maybe she had another fake idea already going. Here's the problem is that do we know, I think I know where you're heading with Mm. this, is do we know if the state of California has on record the address that they sent this document to? No, they don't. No, I I don't know that. And that's that's one of the things I'm really curious to find out about. She done it at wherever she was living at the moment. If it's not actually recorded, we don't have to go to these great lengths of, well, you could have got a post office box. She could have just sent it to her friggin' house. Well, actually, okay, so as it turns out, um, she had a P.O. box. box. She did. I know she did have one, but I'm just saying she didn't have to go to that length necessarily. At that time, she might not have. Mm -hmm. But I think we're getting ahead. I think we're also mixing this up and we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. I also don't know if in the 70s you really did have to provide identification to get a P.O. Oh, this was, this was actually uh, the, the, the late 80s. Yeah. And I, I don't remember exactly. When, when exactly was it that uh, identity theft started becoming prevalent? In the 90s, I think. In the 90s? I think it was really? in the 90s, yeah. Yeah, okay. Because credit was becoming a bigger thing. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, we're oh, ahead okay. of ourselves. Yeah, we're a little out of order here. Back back mm. to where were we, Joe? Okay, uh, the private investigator turns up a news clipping from a local newspaper that described the deaths of Becky and her two sisters, right, right, listed right. their ages, their place of birth. Mm-hmm. He dug up more info. She found out found out that she had moved to Texas and that she had legally changed her name to Lori Erica Kennedy and then applied for and got a social security card. She got her GED and then enrolled, enrolled in college. 
And of course, she didn't want. To, I, I'm suspecting that she actually was older than she said she was, and yeah, that she that's probably a prevalent suspicion. Yeah, she uh, she got her GED. She might have already had a college degree at this point in time, but it was in the wrong name, so she had to start all over again and do then test out to debt to get the GED and then mm -hmm. go back to college again. Uh, she got a degree in business administration, but uh, the, that's about as far as the private investigator got in finding out who she was. So it turns out the Ruff family was friendly with a Texas congressman who was a, a, at the time served on the House Intelligence Committee, and they were wondering about Becky or Becky Sue, uh, Jane Doe, Lori Ruff. They were wondering if maybe she was a Soviet mole or something like that. And so they took their evidence to him that they had uncovered so far, and he took the information to a guy named Joseph Velling, who was an investigator for the Social Security Administration, who specialized in fraud and identity theft and things like that. So this, this guy was a pretty good detective, and he's actually spent, he spent a couple of years trying to break this case, and he hasn't been able to do it. I mean, this is a, and he's, he's uncovered lots of stuff. He's the one who found out that she had, had, that she had a P.O. box in Boulder City, Nevada, that she rented, which forwarded her mail to her Dallas address. Uh, he found out when she got Becky Turner's birth certificate, May 22nd, 1988. And again, this is, this is a little mysterious to me. So they kept a record of the fact that they had sent out her birth certificate to somebody, but they didn't keep a record of who they sent it to. Hmm. That's bureaucracy for you. Yeah, I know, I know. The form says, was this requested, yes or no? That's all I filled in. Yeah, no, it probably probably it's in a jacket, and when, whenever anybody touches it, they probably have a stamp with a date on it, they stamp the file or something like that, mm -hmm. you know, and so that's mm -hmm. probably how they knew that. Uh, that's probably it. Yeah. So he called some people that were referenced in her notes. Her notes, uh, by the way, did you see the notes? They're kind of they're kind of scrawling and incoherent. I checked the. There's a bunch of different phone numbers in there, and almost every single one of them, the, the area code is for Southern for Los Angeles. Mm. There's an attorney re referenced in there from Los Angeles. Uh, it turns out he was a bankruptcy attorney, mm. and it turns out apparently he died a few years ago. So, but he but Velling got a hold of him, and he knew nothing about it, and so. Maybe she just got his name, and, and she was thinking about declaring bankruptcy. I don't know. It turned out she had declared bankruptcy in Dallas back in the 90s. Oh, and by the way, she got breast implants, too, in 1991. She did, and yeah. a nose job. And a nose job, yeah. He mm. called, so he called, the, he called the attorney and some other people who were referenced in these, in these incoherent notes of hers. And he did more than that. He also got in touch with the Turners, and they had no idea who she possibly could be. He ran photos of her through facial recognition databases. Because this guy works for the government, so he can, uh, he's can he got access to a lot of resources. Yeah, a lot of Resources power. that even Thinking Sideways podcast doesn't have. <laughs> even we. Yeah, I know. Uh, he also sent her fingerprints to the FBI. He compared her DNA to DNA database, databases. And, yeah. and he was using, I mean, he was using very, mon some of the resources he was using were kind of mundane, like Ancestry.com. Yeah. But if you look at the notes, and by the way, pull the link on the website, folks, and, and you can take a look at these PDFs of some of her, her notes she left behind. But her handwriting, Joe and I had this conversation before we started recording. I don't know that this is all handwriting by the same person. I, I know agree with that. Joe yeah. said at one point, well, you know, it could be just, you know, write down a quick note. And so your handwriting is really sloppy, except I look at letters that are written in sentences or, you know, blocks that don't look like they were written fast. Mm -hmm. And there are letters that don't 
pair up like the the s's or the e's are mm. not the same in every in certain words yeah i understand there's a drift when hand with handwriting but no this but is it all looks kind of different it, yeah it's yeah. almost as if somebody wrote part of it she had that sheet of paper and then she was writing on top of that, that sheet of paper could, could I, there are some things like okay so you know there's a lot of stuff on here like pacific bell adm offices there's some dollar amount right below it, and then Mountain Bell, three hours less. But in the top left-hand corner, upside down, is written 402 months, which... And then there's, like, three little lines underneath it. I don't know why that is so... It's just peculiar. Yeah. Um, and I oh, and it, you know what? And a little bit, it looks like it's actually... It says 40, and then it says two months. 40 and two? So 40 years, two months? Or something, right? Like, yeah. that looks... It doesn't look like it's all actually all meant to be the or same. Or $40 over two months or something. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it sure. couldn't... It, it is quite possible. And actually, we should talk about this because a lot of people reference that in yeah. the articles online. 402 months? What was she hiding from? Uh-huh. Okay, well, 402 months is a huge amount of time. Oh, right? it is. It's, uh, I, there's, I, there's actually a webpage called monthstoyears.com uh-huh. where you can go and it'll convert months to years. I'm just kidding. Yeah. 33 and a half years. Yeah, it's yeah. 33 and a half years. So, but it could be something as simple as she had to pay somebody 40 bucks over two months. Something as simple as that. Oh, it could you know, be. it could have just been all run together, and she wasn't using dollars. I, I mean, I'm, be, just, I'm making examples of ways yeah. to interpret this because this stuff is just so hard to figure out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but but if you look at if you look at the writing too, though the the four oh two months, it actually looks to me like a forty, and then the two is a lot smaller. The two is more more the size of the months that follow right. it, right? That's why. That's so it why looks like I she wrote it... two months and then wrote the forty later, yeah. or the forty first and then two months later. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that that four hundred two months really means anything. Yeah, and, um, yeah. The, I, I really discount these letters because they are just so out there, and I They're almost actually, you know what? They give me like the, a little bit the heebie-jeebies, like as all of all of the stuff because it's so like discombobulated, and it is so much of the handwriting is so different. You know, like there's some of it that's very well constrained and like definitely meticulous, and then there's like the cursive down in the bottom corner, and then there's you know it's all different. It doesn't look like it comes from the same hand. Yeah, no, I, I don't. Yeah, no, it's a, yeah, like especially the cursive down in the, the lower mm-hmm. left hand corner. That that looks much much different. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. But it's just I, an interesting anomaly about this, right? So she had she had some other random stuff. She had this set of this little set of jottings here, which are okay. some columns of numbers. There's three sets of numbers in there. Each set is two columns. They appear to be on the right-hand side, escalating years, starting in one column in 67, another one in 1970, another one in 1969, although this is a big assumption on my part. People have speculated that these were this was her way of calculating her parents, or maybe Becky Sue Turner's parents' ages. But I don't see why she would be even interested in doing that. She didn't care about Becky C. Turner's. And as far as her own parents... She had dumped that identity, so who cares? Yeah, it might be. Maybe she had left behind two parents and a sibling, and she was trying to you know, keep track of or, or figure out how old they would be at this particular time. I don't know. I, mean, but, I, I don't know why she couldn't have used simple arithmetic. Yeah, that's exactly what Joe yeah. and I talked about earlier, yeah. Devin, is that, okay, so what is the first set of numbers in the upper left-hand side? 
4890. Okay, so we'll just say that somebody at 48 years old, the other person is 90. Mm -hmm. Simple addition, 38 and 80, 28 and 70. Like you can just mm -hmm. kind of take it in simple increments. So it's really strange that it's written out in such longhand. It, it could be kind of an OCD sort of thing, and maybe not, there's no rational purpose behind That's it. That's true. It is very repetitive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, and a lot of people I think came up with the whole it's calculating mom and dad's ages because there are present on the page. There's a there's a very clear D and there's a very clear M. Yeah. So mom, dad, and so, but that's uh, what the third column is for. Maybe that's her age. I don't know. It's uh, you know again we're never gonna know unless uh, maybe it's some sort of strange cryptogram. Mm. You <laughs> I doubt it. There's I actually, you know, one of the it. things that's interesting is there's a there's a theory floating out mm -hmm. around there. I know we're not at the theories yet. Yeah. Um, that maybe she had been an abducted child. Uh-huh. And that 88 is when she was released or got whatever, away. got away or whatever and realized she had to assume a new identity. Blah, blah, blah. It's a fairly mm -hmm. far-fetched, but um, I guess you could kind of rationalize this sort of meticulous. She, it's possible that she was awful at math and couldn't actually do that arithmetic or whatever, or wanted to be able to just look at every single number, you know, whatever. I, I could buy that reference. last bit better than I could say she was awful at math because she, she was that awful at math. She How did she get her GED yeah, and a college degree? That's fair, yeah. So it's, uh, I don't know, I mean, maybe it's uh, a trick that she's using to try and calculate based on her assumed that she thinks she is age, what age is those people would be, or even to calculate backward. I mean, you know, if she was uh -huh. an abducted child and she didn't know how old she was, if she found her parents or found somebody who she had a, knew, you know, rationally, then she was trying to calculate her. I don't know. It's hard to tell. It's really kind of strange. Yeah, I don't. I don't think she was abducted and held to the the age of eighteen, because um, unless unless her abductor actually took the time and trouble to tutor her and teach her teach her things like you know how to read and write stuff like well, that. Well, I know we're gonna talk about. Let's just let's put yeah. this. Let's off keep for going. A yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. We're almost to the theories. We are pretty close to that. Joseph Velling, the investigator with the Social Security Administration, had reached a dead end after about two years. So he took the story to the Seattle Times, and a reporter named Maureen O'Hagan wrote a really good article about it. That's I, I recommend. If you, I don't know if you guys read it yeah. or not, but mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, how could you not? But that's where it all ends. It's still a mystery. I think. Well, and one of Velling's, Velling's uh, motivations was to get photographs of her out there to the public. Mm -hmm. And maybe somebody would recognize her. So far, that's you know that that came out in 2013. That yeah. still hasn't happened. It's been interesting, you know. There's there's all the you read the forums and it's like everybody's kind of like, oh no, you know, yeah. But this, this is the this is the internet though. Somebody will come forward and identify her in no time. And you know, these are posts from like April 2013. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, in no time. This yeah, I know, that's right. for sure. No, it's but did he do? Did did we mention if he? Is running DNA or fingerprints or yeah oh yeah he ran he all ran those DNA and fingerprints and got nothing yeah. Yeah. yeah and the facial recognition didn't come back right, right, right. either sorry it might have been so. you might have said that already I was busy reading notes that's okay sorry <laughs> yeah so so but that's not remarkable is uh, a lot of people haven't been fingerprinted uh, although if she were if she were a criminal she would have been fingerprinted mm -hmm. if she was fleeing something huge she would have been fingerprinted if she had been uh, she could be, she could have been a criminal but had, who had just not yet been arrested and booked. Yeah. You know, that's always possible. That's true. Although I don't know why changing her identity would help. So one of the things that really, really intrigues me, and this might actually be the key to unlocking the mystery, although it means um, 
searching through a whole lot of haystacks for a, for a small needle. Mm -hmm. But it, the question is, is how did Laurie Kennedy know about Becky Sue Turner's death? How did she find out about it? Yeah. There's several different ways to do that. You know, and uh, as a little aside, you know, a lot of people are saying, wow, she must have gotten a professional I identity broker or something like that in order to Sad do this. that that actually exists as a profession. I, I, I bet it does. Yeah. I, yeah, but go ahead and try to find one. I mean, <laughs> do, you, do you know where you go to find one of those guys? The thing about it is, is, is I, know how, I know how to get a fake ID set up. It's harder these days than it used to be, but I, I, I knew how to do exactly what she did just from reading spy novels. And stuff, and crime novels, and stuff like that. And so, it's not everybody's thinking it's like rocket science to get a new to get a new fake ID. But especially in 1988, it no, wasn't that tough. No, but the key tough. is finding the right person's identity to assume, right? That's the key. And so, uh, one way is to go through old newspapers, looking at obituaries, mm -hmm. and that eventually it's going to take some time. But eventually, you're going to stumble across that one person who died at two. And so, you're going to go out. Of, you want somebody who died, in, you know, was born, very young. Died very young. You want Somebody who was born around the late '60s, and so eventually you're going to find somebody somewhere around your age. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And actually, this one, this is one I um, I sent a message to uh, Maureen O'Hagan about this yesterday, and I haven't heard back. I probably never will because I'm sure she gets inundated with crackpot messages. But um, I was thinking that she might have actually gotten that. I don't know exactly where the column came from, the, that news clipping. But the obituary probably appeared in the Seattle Times. Mm -hmm. And Seattle Times, of course, has, um, they have archives. And I'm sure people are allowed to come in. And well, my question for, for Maureen O'Hagan was, when people come in to go through the archives, do, are they required to sign in or show ID? Mm. And so I was kind of, so she found that if she pulled that birth certificate, May 22nd, 1988, that, mean, that meant she would have been spending time going through newspaper archives in, uh, in all the local areas. So in Tacoma, in Seattle, I'm not sure exactly which newspaper or newspapers she was going through the archives, but that's one avenue. Again, that's a, that's a, that's a big haystack. It's actually it's, it's several haystacks to go through. But if you're really determined to find her, that's one way to do it. Mm. Another way you can find somebody who's a suitable identity to, to, to steal is to wander through graveyards looking at gravestones. Yeah. And also another one, and I think this is a real possibility, is I think she might have known the Turner family when she was a kid, which, which meant she would have been living in Fife. Maybe she was a neighbor, or maybe mm. she was a schoolmate or playmate of one of the kids. I'm guessing the, the oldest of the daughters who died was eight years old. So for Becky, Becky Sue, Jane Doe, Lori, to be old enough to remember the family and the kids all dying in a fire, she would have had to have been friends with the oldest one the eight-year-old. Well, I, I mean... Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. She could have been in the middle one. The middle one was only three. Oh. Yeah. I mean, she, but as a neighbor, mm -hmm. you don't have to be the same age as somebody to be friends and know them. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying she was precisely eight. She might have been six or seven. Or, okay. She might okay. have... And, and she might not even have really been friends. So they might have just lived a few houses down. And when the fire went up, it was a huge tragedy that stuck in her mind. Because why wouldn't it? You know, you saw these people and now they're dead. Well, the, the one of the, the children survived, didn't they? One of the yeah, one of the kids survived that fire. I thought they all died. One of them survived. Really? Yeah, and is accounted for just to like. Wait, no, no. I mean, I thought I thought three kids died in that fire. There are four kids. Oh, died. okay. Oh, okay. I missed that. Okay. Yeah. So well, I guess it's also possible that that person became friends with Jane Doe. 
later or mm. you know i guess it's at also at some point recounted the story right and i also think it's like h- highly possible for if a huge tragedy happens when you're three or four, you're going to remember at least vague parts of that. And if the time comes for you to think, oh, gosh, I got to I got to steal an identity. Mm. Yeah. You would you, say, oh, there was that fire. And it would be yeah, really you might easy be to. Cost, yeah, you're being reminded constantly through your, like, your childhood because mm-hmm. every time your mom catches you like like leaving the stove on yeah, or playing with that, she says, like that? do you want to be like the Turner family? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah exactly. And so you, so it's, it's, it's so. I, I think it's most likely that she actually lived somewhere close to the Turners, and that's how she knew about it. It's, it's, and the other ones, are, the other possibilities are, are strong too. But that just meant a whole hell of a lot more work for her to find the proper identity to, to assume. Well, yeah, but then I mean, then of course we have the question of like why? Of why? Yeah. Well, that is the next big, big question, uh, which is why she wanted to do this. So, right. Well, so let's, a few theories here. One is that she was a spy. Uh, what? But I know. I know she was she was too unstable, just a little bit too loony, uh, and she really didn't do anything to get into a sensitive position where she no. could actually do the Russians or anybody else any good. No, she yeah. she lived in you know, Texas and did a job, and I guess she okay. Let's go down the spy novel route. She was a secret shopper, which means she could have been looking at stuff and doing investigation and doing all kinds of reconnaissance, but really, I don't buy that. I agree. Yeah. She, could, she could have been a sleeper agent. You know, She was left there to, to come up, you know, be activated at some point and go off in a killing spree, but that, they didn't find any like guns and knives or anything like that in her house, mm-hmm. but just the gun she killed herself with. Right. I didn't, and I didn't actually find out if it was a Soviet-manufactured gun or not. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> wow. Another theory that's out there that uh, a lot of people will find popular is that she was fleeing a cult and she yeah. was like caught up in a cult and she had to get away from them. There's also the piggybacking on that theory is that um, I guess somehow that she was traced to Idaho. Yeah, she got. Somehow. Yeah, she got. Well, she was. Uh, that's where she got. The, that's where she got her, her ID card. Right. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if I went through all that stuff or not. I thought I did. But she after she got Becky Sue Turner's birth certificate. About a month or so later, she shows up in Boise, Idaho, and gets a, a an Idaho ID card. Mm-hmm. And then, not long after that, she shows up in Dallas, Texas. And right after she gets there, she files for a legal name change. Mm-hmm. And so she changed her name legally. Right. And then she applied for a social security number. Yeah. So she was and in Idaho, and I guess there's a lot of um... supremacy movement. Yeah. Is probably I think is that where you're headed? That's not where I was headed. I was headed down the like Mormon rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. This is actually apparently a thing that's like happening in Idaho, okay. or that's been happening in Idaho. That there's like a lot of like kind of almost like culty offshoots of the Mormon Church happening in Idaho. Hmm. Um, that are was that happening in the late eighties? Yeah, that huh? are like super cultish and like you can't get out of. And there's you know a bunch of other kind of church activities not obviously sanctioned by the overarching church i'm not trying to disparage any of the churches but Mm -hmm. there are crazy people in every walks of life and that that's apparently a fairly legitimate that like she grew up in that and escaped it Mm -hmm. and then found herself with no resources and somehow you know maybe through the mormon church even because they keep really good ancestral records found out about the fife fire grabbed that just clung onto it and took it from there. That's a fairly prevalent theory on the mm. internet as well. That's really interesting because, you know, the other thing that I looked at is we have this, obviously we have this huge spate of time where we should, we don't just don't know who she is and where she is. Mm-hmm. And 
one of the things that I looked up was the Rajakrishnas yeah. here in Oregon. Yeah. And for anybody who doesn't know, this is a very boiled I've, down version. Are you talking about the Rajneeshis? Rajneeshis, thank you. Yeah. I totally, totally hacked that name up. Yeah, no, the Rajneeshis. But the point is, they it was a religious movement. They were in Oregon for a couple of years, and then the Rajneeshi got in trouble, and they left. But they had thousands upon thousands of followers yeah. who were living on their compound. Okay, so let's say she's one of their followers. And some of their followers did get in a lot of legal trouble because they did some weird stuff. Uh, I cannot remember the name of the woman who was one of the leaders. Ma and Aunt Sheila. Yeah, yeah. Sheila. Yeah. And she um, she poisoned people. She had she, committed... Uh, she, she had contracts on people. She was off the deep end. But they, the point uh, is, is that if you're involved in the upper echelons of that and you get out early enough before the hammer comes down, you probably would want to disappear. I don't know, just age-wise, if that makes a whole lot of sense, but maybe. Well, they, um, they, they gotten the, all of their legal troubles mm-hmm. happened in 84 to 85. And no, they, I just mean that, like, I don't know that Jane Doe would have been old enough to have been in the upper echelons of that stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't think that I she was 18. Yeah. She said she was 18, but she certainly wasn't older than 30 or than 25. Well, I, yeah, and I don't know that age, I think your devotion got you yeah. routed oh, up yeah, more no than idea. anything I, else. But, I, yeah, the... They are a whole nother story to go into, but mm-hmm. I, that's oh, one yeah. of the things I thought is, what if they were uh, part of that group? And she was like, I got to get out of here, and I never want to be associated with mm-hmm. these people again because, holy crap, this went south. Yeah, it's fair. Yeah, it did go south, although the, the Rajneeshis didn't give me the impression of being the kind of culty kind of people that would actually track down a deserter and kill them. They weren't really like that. Uh, but they I mean, did they a were... lot of things that got a lot of people in legal trouble. And oh, if yeah. you realize that trouble's coming down the bend, you might just want to step to the side and completely disappear from it. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but uh, and Mon on Sheila, by the way, she she engineered the first biological attack mm-hmm. on U.S. soil. She did, yeah, they they did all sorts of incredible stuff. Incredible, <laughs> incredible, incredibly Not... crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that that's it's a fair point that it's totally possible that. She had either been born into, got mixed up in some kind of cult or crazy movement, realized that there was some trouble involved. And mm-hmm. and also, she was pretty unbalanced. And not to say that people in that sort of situation are unbalanced, but... Well, obviously, it put more stress on a person who was already like a little a little bit sort of teetering on the edge. Mm-hmm. So, She's, uh, I mean, but the thing about it is, if you're, if you're fleeing, say, abuse, or if you're fleeing a cult... And you've got this nice, warm family of in-laws who are asking you about your past. Why don't you just say, "Look, I, I, I got mixed up with this cult, and I had to, I, I had to like get out with my life, and I changed my name, and I came here and started a new life." And so, you know, why, why not just tell them that? Shame. Yeah, I guess maybe she's embarrassed. Shame is a very easy embarrassed answer. About, yeah, but at the same time, again, this is the thing about her that was a little perverse, in my opinion, is that she. Uh, really wanted to preserve her secret, her secret past or, and everything. And it, she really should have just sat down and come up with a biography for herself because she brought more suspicion upon herself by refusing to talk about anything than she would have if she just said, you know, you pick a, you pick a large city like Los Angeles where, you know, you say, I'm from Los Angeles. And say, oh, do you know John Doe? And then you say, no, nope, L.A. is a big place. You don't want to pick a little small town, in other words. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And you just go with that and just build yourself a false biography. 
and 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 go with that. I don't know why she didn't do that. She I guess all this trouble. So what do you think? I also do just want to point out not to say anything bad against the roughs because I don't know them. But I do want to point out that it's pretty much them saying we were really nice to her. We mm-hmm. were welcoming and wonderful and non-judgmental and just opened up our arms. And she was just a crazy person. Yeah, I suppose you're making a good point. You know, there, I mean, yeah. I'm not going to say that they're not lovely people because they probably are. But there's also there's so many weird nuances with family that like it is possible that maybe they thought they were being nice and warm and welcoming and really she was truly interpreting it as they were being awful or they were nice and warm and welcoming if she were like a perfect Christian woman from the perfect background and otherwise, you know, they would not, you know, I I just do want to go ahead and say just for the record that not to say that they are not, but we are kind of just they may be the them. Spanish Inquisition and not realize yeah. they're yeah. being the Spanish Inquisition. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, yeah, they, exactly. maybe they do and they're happy to do so. That's, that's, yeah. that's a good point, though. We don't yeah. have Lori's side of the story on the no. family relationship, do we? Nor do we have... I don't think I've heard anybody, like any like family friends or anything come up. It's all like the family specifically. Mm-hmm. And yeah. part of that might be that she just sequestered herself mm-hmm. so much away from them that nobody knew. But, yeah. Joe, what, uh, there, there's also this thing about her being... Oh gosh, uh, what's this woman's name that they think she might have been? Jennifer. Jennifer um, Wichter. Jennifer Wichter. Yeah, yeah Wichter is there. Like Wichter. Yeah. So what, yeah. What is the deal with this? Because I saw this and I couldn't track with it. Now, yeah. So somebody uh, posted some. There's there's some stuff around the internet about that. Somebody said he he did a a Google image search on her on her photograph on Lori's photograph. You can do a reverse search on images. Yeah, you Google, can. Yeah, Google search. Like, Pull up matches. Yeah, pull up matches to the images. It's not that reliable, but apparently some guy did a search and it actually pulled up some of her her photos, but also pulled up a photo of this Jennifer Whitker chick. Was it, do I have it right? Is it Whitker? W-I-C-T-O-R. Oh. Whitker is how yeah, it's spelled. So Jennifer Whitker. One of the few notes I made. Mm. Yeah, so she disappeared. And so somebody... Uh, she disappeared. Let's she be dis- fair. She disappeared in May of 1988. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, there's some photographs of her out there. Some people have uh, have concluded from comparing the photographs that if Lori or Jennifer had 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 a nose job, then there's a close match between the two. I see it. No, I don't. You don't? No, no, not at all. No. Hmm. If you look at the two photographs, if you want to, I've got the two photographs in a file on the computer. Jennifer is, well, first off, their eyebrows. Their eyebrows are shaped very differently. Okay, but. Dude. Dude, are you serious? Yeah. Women pluck their eyebrows all the time and change the shape of yeah, them. That's true, but still, I mean, I, I, I think that that's at least, that's got to be a, one telling point. I'm going to come next thing, week with totally different eyebrows and see if he notices. I'm going to come right. with mine penciled on yeah. and see if he notices, because yeah. mine are huge. Well, I'm going to come with false eyelashes to <laughs> see if you guys notice that. <laughs> so, uh, but if, the other thing about it is, is uh, number one, if you look at their eyes, Lori's eyes are much larger than Jennifer's eyes. Also, they're spaced. Lori's eyes are spaced further apart. I did. I did a quick thing. I have. I have photo software. I, so I got photos of both of them. You did the overlay because other people did the overlay too. No. So I didn't do uh, the overlay thing, but I have. Uh-huh. I have photo editing software that uh, has one. One. It's got its shortcomings, but it's got one unique, nice little feature, and that is that it'll tell you the precise location on the X and Y, the X and Y plane of where your cursor is at a given time. Mm. So I drew a a nice little one pixel line Mm -hmm. between the pupils of Lori's eyes Mm -hmm. 
and I marked down and I kept track of the x-axis coordinate for those. Mm -hmm. And then I drew a line from that line down to the end of her, of her nose. And I calculated the, the nose ratio. Doesn't, I, the, you can't with the nose. I mean, you just okay. can't. Because no, no. And then, no, no, no. Hang on. Hang on. Now, I know you're going to say that these are photographs. They're not precise. And, and they're slightly different angles. But, but she also had a nose job. Yeah, but, but you're, you're not, you, you can't radically change the length of your nose. You're not, your nose occupies a specific piece of real estate on your, on your face. My, my issue with this is that the two photos of Lori that we're using here... Hmm are from ID cards, which means uh. that they were one inch by one inch at best images mm -hmm. that are then blown up. So they're, they're not going to... Because God knows, somebody may have stretched that photo when they put it on or compressed things. So my, my point that I'm getting at is that I don't think that we can say this is an ironclad exact photo of her. Mm -hmm. If we had... Now, there's photos of her that were available of her with her husband. That, I would say, is a little more indicative of what I, she probably truly looks like. Yeah. But these, I'm I'm leery of using a ID card photo because mm. I don't look anything like my ID card photo. But so the photographs have been blown up. Yeah, yeah, true. But the basic proportions of the faces are going to be the same, in my opinion. If you look at all the different photographs that were out that are out there, they obviously I, I, haven't I can been distorted usually. I calculated the the ratio between the distance between the eyes and the distance between the bridge of the nose and the end of the nose on both on both women. So for Jennifer, it was 1 to 1.24. And for Lori, it was 1 to 1.66. So, so pretty dramatic so, difference. Pretty dramatic difference. Even though there are slight differences in the angles of the photos and everything, that if it had been a lot closer than that, then I would say, hey, okay, but... Yeah, that means what that means is that is that Jennifer's eyes are relative to the length of her nose, much closer together. Also, if you take another close look at Jennifer in that photograph, you'll see that her left eye is slightly higher than her right eye, whereas Lori did not have that. Her eyes were at the same level. So, so I basically, you're pointing out there there's yeah. some serious flaws in the idea that Jennifer Wichter and Lori slash who Jane, Doe. Jane Doe were the same person. Mm. You I, obviously have a lot I, of doubts on that. I, uh, I, I don't believe it at all. No. Okay. Well, yeah, as far fair. as the nose job... No, I mean, yeah. I think that's fair. I think that yeah. there's a lot that you can do with facial reconstruction surgery that you can drastically change the way that somebody looks. But I, you can't, you know, make eyes different. I mean, You cannot move the you well, eyeballs. You probably could, but it'd be really expensive. Yeah, there'd and, be a lot of scarring. And, and you know, I, I just think that... Yeah. I, I agree. I just think that it's definitely worth the look. I think yeah. that it's fascinating. Oh, yeah. It is. Sure. I mean, and, and, and that there are some pretty strong coincidences. Yeah. But, well, there know. are some, some similarities. I mean, they have similar jaw lines, and their, their lips and the shapes of their mouths are, are, are their very similar. Their are very similar. Yeah, there are some similarities there. Their bone there. structure generally is fairly similar. Yeah. but uh, Generally. But, but yeah. And, you know, the fact that they were the fact disappeared that, and reappeared on, about mm -hmm. the same time. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's I very think convenient. It's, it's convenient. Yeah, let's say it. I can see why a lot of people are interested in that, but I, I really don't think, yeah, they're the same person. Okay, so let's let's move away from that. Move, move on to another theory. Rabbit hole that we Not, just ran down for yeah, 10 minutes. It wasn't, wasn't Jennifer Wichter, but uh, I was thinking that possibly she uh, committed a, uh, committed some major crime, like embezzlement. Like, so imagine, imagine she works so, you know, 
for God knows who. Let's assume that she was older than she claimed she was. She was not, uh, she said she was 18 when she got her ID card from Idaho. Let's assume that she was like 25 or so. I, yeah, and I'm going to go ahead a, and like say solidly she was not older than 25. Yeah, probably not, but definitely not 18. Because after, right. after all, if you're a woman especially and you're getting that, and you're going to get a fake, a new identity, mm-hmm. you're going to shave a few years off, right? Well, yeah, I mean, especially if the most convenient thing for you is yeah. you know, that that person would have been 18. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Imagine that she's in a job where she realizes she's in a position to embezzle or steal a whole bunch of money. She's got to figure out a way. She knows that she's not going to get away with it. But she has, she has this idea. What if I get myself all set up with a fake ID and then I commit the crime, whatever the crime is, whether it's murder or stealing a whole bunch of money or whatever, then I commit the crime and then I just disappear. Because they, they can go looking for whatever my name is, Jane Doe or whatever, but I've disappeared because I got me a new identity. Why would you stay in this country if you have a new ID? Because at the time, all you had to have to cross the border was a driver's license, some mm. kind of ID card. So why wouldn't you just take off with a suitcase of money rather than settling in Texas? Yeah. And I'm not disparaging Texas. I'm just, it's like, why would you just go settle in Connecticut? I mean, why would you just go settle in another state? Why wouldn't you just beat feet so you don't ever have to worry? Because mm-hmm. obviously she's, whatever she did, she was worried about that catching up with her. Yeah. So why, why choose that area? I, uh, the only thing I could think of for that is that she just, uh, you know, she didn't seem like the kind of person that could just go out and, and really get into or meld into another culture, like going to South America, for example, where she had to she learn a whole tea. new language. She loved tea. She could have gone to, to England. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. That was like but the overarching thing is like we she have, loves tea. We have, and she also loves Cuban food, so she could have gone to Cuba. Yeah. Uh, and, and she could have gone to Canada. I mean, yeah, but, she also but, could have been from Canada, but that's there is, a different yeah. rabbit hole. Now she didn't speak with the distinctive a accent. <laughs> so yeah, she had no accent apparently, but we have an extradition treaty with Britain and with Canada. So she would have probably gone to Brazil or somewhere like well, that. But if she had her new ID, she could have just gone over there with her new identity. You know, mm, I mean, that's the yeah. thing is if you have a brand new identity, why even bother staying here? Why not just go there? Cause they're not going to extradite you. Cause they're not going to be able to find you. Yeah. I don't know. So. Also, it doesn't, on that theory, I, I didn't read anything that said that she had, like, gads of money. No. Not nothing really. indicated that she that... was high on the hog or had, yeah. a, you know, yeah. did better than she should have for being a secret shopper. Yeah. yeah. She, I, yeah, so I don't know if she, if she had some, it sounded to me like she had a little bit of a nest egg, but on the other hand, she had to go work as a stripper in the early 90s, yeah. so. And well. that actually, I, ha, I kind of went down the rabbit hole on this story, and I'd like to walk through that a little bit, yeah. if, if you guys are okay with that. Mm, yeah. You're not going to take your clothes off, are you? No. Okay, thank you. Uh, there's a lot of speculation that she was from somewhere on the West Coast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've kind of deduced that from Fife, Washington, the Idaho thing, the P.O. Box, all of this stuff. Yeah. I'm pretty much convinced she was. Okay. Well, there's there's a couple of things that I've I've done. I spent a lot of time looking for her in databases of people who were convicted of crimes and wanted, but what I came to the conclusion of, and then I started doing some more reading, is, well, we would have had their fingerprints on file, so mm-hmm. we would have found her pretty quick. So I abandoned that. But then that got me thinking to a couple of ways, which is... 
in the mid 80s, somewhere in that range, there was a a number of different things that happened. There were protests that went wrong. So there were like nuclear protests that suddenly turned violent and people died. There was eco-terrorism and protests that happened that suddenly turned violent and people were hurt and killed. So I'm thinking, well, and, and it makes me think of, have either of you ever read the book, The Monkey Wrench Gang? No, I've heard of it. It's by Edward Abbey, and then Mm -hmm. he does another follow-up book called Hey Duke Lives, which is based on a character. Anyway, it's about a group of eco-terrorists who have to, they try to hide themselves, and regardless, it makes me think of that. So I could see her being, oh, hell, that went really bad, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be on the hook for it. So she hasn't been prosecuted she hasn't even been arrested she just knows that she's going to the clink so it's time to hide i also then started going down the rabbit hole of okay well she got her new identity and she got her new breasts and then she started stripping because that's an easy way to make money and you don't have to provide a lot of id to be a stripper well Okay, well, why would you do that? What would and and I kind of I ran these weird threads and I won't tie them all together. But you know the Idaho thing I kind of briefly mentioned or I started to go to earlier was there was a lot of supremacy movements in the eighties, um, and these are also tied to uh, you know there's a book I read recently that I was telling Joe about. I think I told Devin about mm-hmm. the Turner Diaries mm-hmm. yeah. and. Part of the Turner Diaries is based on a supremacy movement that happened at the time that then turned into crime. So she could have been involved in that, realized everybody's going to get cleaned out because they're robbing banks now or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And the only way I know to get away is just to completely disappear. But then that's that's reason I, I looked at it and went, well, no wonder she was stripping. She got an ID card. She didn't have a social security card, but all you got to do when you go to a strip club owner at that day and age, I imagine to say, Hey, look at my card. I'm over 18. Can I take my clothes off? Uh And will you give me money? Of course, yes. So, of course, the thing about it is, uh, if, if you're involved in the in the white supremacist movement and there's violence going on and everything and you don't agree with it and you want out, there's a real easy thing to do. And that is, you go to the FBI, you inform on them, and they put you in the witness protection program. That's expecting that you're not going to get tracked out. I mean, the, the, the white supremacy movement, I equate it to kind of like the mob. Mm-hmm. They have feelers everywhere, and they're, you know, it's like the old school mob. Oh, Uratus is out? Oh, hey, we found you. We're not going to say anything. Our guy, we paid him a hundred grand, and he's going to walk away from the hotel room, and the maid's going to find you hanging in the shower. Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's serious fear when it comes to being dealing with those kind of organizations. That I can see that the person goes, you know what? My option is hope it works out for the best, or just friggin' disappear. Yeah, but the thing about it is, is you know, I would, I would, if I were. If I were Jane Doe, I'd be looking and saying, oh, you know, probably the witness protection program, they probably know what they're doing as far as making me disappear. And they'll probably see to it that I have a little more comforts along the way. You know, I won't entirely be on my own, broke. I'll, you know, I'll have the feds there to 
provide me with at least, if not an income, at least job opportunities and stuff like that. Maybe she was in the witness protection program and she decided it wasn't enough, so she... Decided to disappear from the witness protection program? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, a, it's yeah. always possible. Some, some agent says, oh, yeah, well, you know, occasionally what people do is they do this. And she's like, oh, really? Well, mm. let me just start going through... Well, I got nothing to do in this hotel room. Can I, uh, can I go down to the local library? And just look through the books and look through the newspaper section. Yeah, that could completely be... I mean, this is, again, as we do with so many of these random rabbit hole theories, mm-hmm. is we stitch so many things together. Yeah. But that's that's the thing that makes me wonder about her. Because yeah. the breast implants, I know that is something that people talk about as they say, well, implants always have a serial number. So yeah, let's get the was, serial number. She was cremated, though. Well, yeah. that, and she got them... Under was, her her newest yeah, exactly. identity, so yeah. that doesn't lead anywhere. So, I mean, she's, for all things said and done, she was really, really good at what she did, yeah. which was hiding who she was. Yeah, yeah, no, she did a good job of it. Um, although, again, I, I, I don't think it's rocket science, She, but she was pretty thorough about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as theories go, I have one last theory. So as we so as we know, she was a little bit erratic. She kind of marched to a different drummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I could see where she might get an idea that maybe life wasn't that great. You know, it wasn't hell on earth. She didn't have, wasn't fleeing a cult. Didn't have abusive parents or anything like that. But life wasn't that thrilling for her, and she thought to herself, you know, you know, maybe if I change my identity and move somewhere else, I'll become a whole new me. So it's not just that I have a new name and a new location, all like you know, turn into a different, cooler, more exciting person by just by the by having done this. Now I realize that sounds stupid, but at the same time, thank you because I didn't know how to put it. That that doesn't uh, make any sense to me. Well, yeah, but I, I I mean, how many times have you seen people do things that don't make any sense? Oh, every day. <laughs> I know. I mean, so I, I'm just saying that's a possibility that. She might have really thought, I'm unhappy in my present life. I'm not fleeing a cult or, or a white supremacist gang, but I'm unhappy. And maybe if I just change my name and move somewhere else, things will get better and I'll be a happier person. Didn't really work out that way for her. But uh, again, and that's just one more theory. And really, it's probably not the best one. But what the hell? One more theory can't hurt, right? <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not going to help. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and also, there's, of course, she was fleeing the chupacabra. <laughs> <laughs> that these yeah. days, aren't we? Yeah. He's back. Yeah. He really is. The Chupacabra has really kind of reared his ugly little head again. Yeah. 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 Flapping those little bat wings. Yeah. yeah. Like an old Chupacabra. So, you guys have any more thoughts? Any more theories? No. Um, no. Other than I'm pretty sure that I'm probably in trouble because I've been scouring the FBI websites lately because of this case uh-huh. and all kinds of uh, escaped convict websites, and mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that I've probably gotten flagged well, and plus, I'm probably being watched well, you've now. you've been plus, flagged forever. Let's yeah, when you, bought, and when you bought the Turner Diaries to read them, did you pay with a credit card? <laughs> I did, actually. Yeah. Oh. I'm probably yeah, in trouble for that. You're on a watch list for that one, dude. Yeah. Yeah, you should have paid cash. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, if... You happen to know Jane Doe and, 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 as a child. We'd like to hear from you. Uh, maybe you lived in Fife and you remember the people who got killed in the, in the house fire and you remember some little girl saying, one of these days I'm going to steal her identity. Uh, we'd really <laughs> love to hear from you. Uh, other than that, that's about the end of it all. Let me give you some information that you're dying to hear. If you want to find us on iTunes and download us, you, of course, can do that. We would appreciate it if you'd leave a comment and a review. That would be awesome. 
If you don't have time to download us, you can always find us on Stitcher and stream us. Uh, and by the way, just as an aside, if you, we're having a few problems with Stitcher these days, so don't hold it against us. We're trying to get it fixed. Uh, we're also on Facebook, so find us on Facebook, friend us, make comments, send us money. Well, don't we also have a Facebook like group? We got a group, and yeah, we've we got the page. Yeah, and okay. There's, we're having fun times. People are posting stuff oh, yeah. there, so yeah. it, that's always good. Yeah. Also, there's a, there's our website, which is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. You can find our episodes there and download them, and we'll have links for you to look at and all sorts of cool stuff. And last of all, if you want to send us an email and communicate with us that way, then we're at thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. Have I missed anything? No, you hit it. Yeah, I think you hit Twitter. it all. Oh, yeah, Twitter. Oh, yeah, tweet there. Sorry. What's Three that? weeks now, and we still forget. I keep, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I knew I was missing something. Yeah, so we're on Twitter. So find us on Twitter, friend us, or something. I've heard of that yeah. Twittering thing. Yeah. Leave us a comment and a rating, uh, whatever you do. I think do we're on thinking sideways. Yeah, because Twitter has a off. character limit, yeah. and we couldn't do the S. Is that what happened? Yep. So we're yeah. thinking Idway? <laughs> oh, the other S. Thinking sideways. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to come up with something more clever. Eventually. Why don't you do thinking sideways? Thinking sideways. There you go. There you go. Oh, yeah. I think we're going to have to change that so handle. Gonna be, yeah, yep. look for us. Add to the handle, thinking sideways. Thinking sideways. All right, that's it. Until next week, toodaloo. Thanks, everybody. Bye, guys. <laughs>